you gore fiends and horror hounds this is brett from dimension z joined as i am every week by greg of the dead how you doing man doing good how you doing i'm uh, pretty great um special bonus episode yeah bonus episode on the month that we've been doing double features all week you're welcome yeah you get three episodes this week i guess <laughs> yes whatever yeah. week this lands on i don't know but yes yeah no idea <laughs> But um, so the uh, theme of this uh, bonus episode is going to be our top ten horror actresses and actors. One list, not right. Right, just one list okay. of yeah. I yeah, they're not separate. I was like, oh no, I misunderstood the assignment. No, no. This is gonna be really fun, and I'll preface this by: Do you want to know like the categories I used for like my own list? Okay. So I judged it kind of off a few things, and one is. Or they a horror actor is the most obvious. And you want to go ahead and describe what we meant by that. Right. The person can be in other movies and other kinds of movies, but they're known as a horror actor or actress. Yes. Now, whether they did almost all horror or only had like one or two roles, but those roles are so iconic. You get what we mean. Exactly. It's not like, um, well, what was your, um, my example of someone who wouldn't work was Jennifer Aniston because she was in Leprechaun. Exactly. I said that wouldn't count. Exactly. Where she just did the one and then that's it. She basically yeah. turned her back on horror, so go fuck yourself. Yes, exactly. Unless you ever want to be on Throbbing with Horror, Jennifer Aniston, we can talk about Leprechaun. <laughs> Why? I don't know. She might. She might be a listener. I mean, I guess everything's possible. As in between uh, rebooting Friends in a terrible way. I didn't even watch it. I barely watched Friends. So. I never liked Friends. <laughs> no, me neither. But my other categories were impact on horror. Like, did they leave a big impact? Um, their actual acting performances, like what their roles were like. And then, honestly, the most important category was Greg's personal preference. Right, yeah, and that's another thing, too. Like, just, of course, anyone should know this, but these are just our top tens. And they mine changes. It even changed like within the week of like putting this together. I moved a couple of them around, so you could come back to us in a year, and these could be a little different. Yeah, I literally have multiple drafts on this page that I'm reading from, and then I have one that says final list. Yeah, because there were definitely some people I was like, I'm so sad I can't put you on this list, but that would mean I have to take one of these other people off, and I don't want to. Oh, yeah, there's people, look, that probably deserve it more than got on my list, and I know, too. This was tough for me to do. Yes, I'm really excited to be able to, like, I wanted, can't wait to hear your list, like, to see what you've done with it. Okay, so you want to kick it off? Would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first? I'll, dealer's choice, go ahead. Um, you go ahead, fine, sir. Okay, so we're going to go in reverse order, obviously, because that's the way you build anticipation. So my number 10 is from a few horror franchises... He is the boy who killed Jason Voorhees, he is the boy who spilled water on the gremlins, and he had a weird voice in Hunted Vampires, Corey Feldman. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I cannot argue with that choice. Corey Feldman definitely deserves to be up there. Yeah, now, some people might say that's not a horror actor because he did so much, but the movies he did that were horror, and there's a lot of them, they're all great movies. None of them are really bad. Oh, no, like, all those that you just named, I'm just like, love it, love it, love it. At first, when you said, uh, brought Jay, or, like, you said something about Jason, I'm like, oh, is it gonna be Tom Matthews? 
Close, kind of. Kind of, in a different universe, in their multiverse. Yeah, Corey Feldman, I think, 100% gets it. Uh, the boy, like, in the first Friday movie where Jason dies when he's human, who shaves his head to freak out Jason, that he's seeing younger him and kills him. How can you not include him on the list? Oh, yeah, and especially in Friday the 13th Part 4, like, he really sells it. And he's like, like I've said before, kid actors can make or break a movie. He's amazing. He's not like uh, the new Nightmare Kid who, like, just completely ruins it. No. He, got, he was so good in Pet Cemetery. All right, what's your number 10? All right, number 10, and this was hard because I wanted to put him on my list, but I wasn't exactly sure where at first. And then I was like, number 10 seems like a good solid spot for him for right now. And that's Boris Karloff. Okay. Original Frankenstein monster. He would come back through the Universal movies um, several times. A couple, like he uh, came back to play like a mad scientist in a couple of them. It's either House of Frankenstein or House of Dracula when they yeah. all it's, um, get back together. But especially after this weekend, um, on Saturday, Sven Gulli showed Frankenstein. And it just like reminded me how much I adore that movie and not even just the movie but his performance as frankenstein because later movies you get different actors playing them you get you know lon cheney jr bella lugosi uh glenn strange and all of them except kind of bella which is really weird for me because i like bella lugosi a lot but his frankenstein is just not very good at all no and but like even like glenn strange who played him for like i think four or five of them i think he played him for four of the movies He's good, but it's a, at that point, God, uh, fuck, I almost said Godzilla. Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster, becomes almost a background player and almost just like a henchman to the other monsters. Like, he's just the muscle. Boris Karloff, he's just, especially in, like, Bride of Frankenstein, like, he starts talking, kind of. But it's yeah. that, like, Frankenstein. Like, how he does it. And his facial, like, all the makeup they got to do on him. He's just great. Oh, I can't say a bad thing about Boris Karloff. That's an amazing pick. Well, you want number nine? Yeah, what is your number nine, Greg? This is the one that I don't think you would have guessed, and I'll explain my reasoning. Samara Weaving. Okay, where do I know that name from? She is from Ready or Not. She oh. is the babysitter from those movies, and she is an Ash vs. Evil Dead. And the reason I pick her, one, her roles in those, are, she's so good in both of those, but to me, she's the last remaining actress who's coming up and accepting horror and action and weird movies too but like those genre movies and sticking with it and being proud of it and not running away from it when she becomes famous like she keeps coming back to it right and her roles are so good that she does in them like i ready or not was like my standout movie of 2019 and i loved it and i keep trying to get it on this podcast one day i'm going to i don't think i've ever seen it Oh, it's so good. But yeah, that's my number nine. Um, I legit think she's the only person, like, I mean, other people are, but who's doing it super well coming up through horror and sticking with it and, like, kind of the last Scream Queen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I need to check out Ready or Not then. Like, I'm really interested now. Yeah, I love it. I think you'll like it. Nice. Who you got? All right. So, number nine, boy... Oh, good pick. I have Angus Scrim, the tall man from Phantasm, and he's in other stuff as well. But the tall man is just so iconic. And, like, I know your history with Phantasm, Greg. 
I'm so-so on it, but look, I know how... There was any of my complaints about Angus Scrim. In fact, like all the things I really liked were the tall man stuff. So, no, I'm 100% with you. Good pick. Well, and the fact that he stayed along with this franchise from, like, the 70s up until, like, 2016, I think, The Last Phantasm came out. And he's in all of them. Up till his death, pretty much. Yeah, well, I think he, if I remember right, he saw Phantasm Five just a few days before he ended up dying. Oh, that sucks, but what what a career he led, and of course he belongs on here. And another one of those guys, I just wish I would have gotten the chance to meet him, because the stories that you hear online about people who got to meet him was like, he was one of the nicest people to meet, and very, like, a great gentleman and whatnot, would take his time with you, and... Oh, good. Yeah, um, his tall man, and just everything about Phantasm is just completely bonkers, but was a perfect villain for that franchise. Yeah, and it's not even, like, a lot of horror movie franchises, as they, like, the movies progress, and maybe, like, the villain starts getting, like, uh, weeded out a little bit more, like, they start, like, kind of figuring them out, like look at freddy's dead all of a sudden freddy has like a kid and he has this whole family life you never heard about before yeah and i was like okay this is kind of taking it down a few notches you learn more about the tall man and then at first you're like oh he's like an interdimensional demon and then it turns out he was like a scientist from like the 1800s that just discovered portals yes but yeah that is my number nine Good. My number eight is also the entry that I like to call Let's Infuriate Brett, but it's going on here. <laughs> okay. Number eight for me is Tobin Bell from Saw. Oh, who, uh, <laughs> I had to ask you who that even was, uh, like, before the episode. Yeah, which Brett doesn't know my list. That was another thing we are talking about. But yeah, I gotta say, I think Saw in general, and really Tobin Bell was something, and whether you like the movies or not, I was thinking about this the other day, how I miss there being a horror franchise that every year I could count on coming out, like there was with Friday the 13th and Nightmare in like the 80s, but Saw did that for me when I was in high school and everything, like, you you remember the ads, if it's Halloween it has to be Saw, and he stuck through it till the end, and even after the series ended and came back and got terrible, but yeah, so... I can't say a bad thing about any of his performances in it either, and he was like the only driving factor through that entire franchise, whether you think it turned into a mess or not. A little bit of the Saw franchise I've seen, I've always kind of poo-pooed it away as just like gore porn, and it's not really like my style of horror movie, but I did kind of like the plot, like the little thing in the plot of like, doesn't he have cancer, and that's why he's doing this, and he's slowly dying, and each movie he like looks worse. Yes, and they do very well with that, with making him, like, look bad. But then if they do a flashback, he looks like a healthy man and everything. Okay, yeah, I mean, I couldn't... I'm not a huge fan of the Saul franchise, but I could say, like, he puts on... he That's a good performance. Oh, good. I'm glad I didn't infuriate you that bad with it. I was was waiting for the hammer (laughs) to drop on me. Oh, no, I'm in a good mood today. It's gonna take a minute. It might take something more than that to, like... Now, if all of a sudden, I'm trying to think who you could put as your number one that I'd be mad. If he was your number one, I'd be like, no, what the fuck? Like, I wouldn't put him as my number one. That A crazy person would do that now. Yeah. But who do you got for your number eight? All right. Number eight. Uh, we've covered one of his movies so far on the podcast. Um, oh. Michael Moriarty. Okay. From Cue the Winged Serpent and The Stuff. I knew what you were thinking. When you said that, I'm like, oh, that's a weird one. Like, not bad pick, but... Out of left field from a good choice. 
Oh no, I just something about his acting style, and like I think I said, that I went on and on about this on, at the episode, but I'll say it again now, just because we're talking about him himself. I love his acting style, where he's like, he acts like a buffoon, and like he has no idea what's going on, but he has everything handled, and he's like, I know what I'm doing. Like it's more of his character and the stuff I would say than in Q. Um, in Q, he's kind of more of a dirtbag what he even talking to his girlfriend he's like oh why are you hanging out with this junkie and stuff like this but yeah and like more in uh the stuff he's just very of i can say and do whatever i want because you need my help and i'm gonna talk down to you to each one of your faces and kind of make fun of you i like how he has a little bit of like a southern accent so he like he sounds like a little like not and not to say that all southern people are uneducated but he sounds a little uneducated kind of thing yeah i never took him as southern sounding that's where the grant i never saw the stuff i'm basing off of q which maybe hams up the new new york accent in there a little bit but yeah just something about his acting style i've loved since like the first time i saw the stuff i was like what the fuck is this even and i'd like kind of poo-pooed it away and then i couldn't stop thinking about it and now i love it those are the best kind. Yeah. Well, so what? That takes us to number seven, right? Yes. All right. So my number seven, I'm going to nominate him from a real far out fan, goes to Bill Mosley. Oh, nice. So Chop Top himself and Otis Firefly. Yeah, come on. And <laughs> evil, not evil Ash, evil Ash's assistant in Army of Darkness and so much more. I couldn't not put Mosley on here. I was thinking about it. He was he was on my like short list, which not everyone who made it in the whole time. I'm like, I kept looking like there's no way he can't go on here. And it was just picking the order was the toughest part for me. But yeah, Texas Chainsaw 2 is such a different movie than the first one. And it probably shouldn't really work. But his performance just makes it, it pushes it over the edge. And it's just so amazing. I don't think it works without him. 100%. No. I don't think Texas Chainsaw 2 is a good movie without him. But with the addition of him, it's a great movie. And not not saying, oh, it's only good because of him, but then it makes everything else work so much better, even the stuff without him. Like, because I know, okay, this is the world we're playing in. And I got to touch Otis, like, is the worst human ever. <laughs> and yeah. you hate him, but, like, you're fascinated by him when he's on screen. And it's not just fun, dumb, like, Chop Top stuff, which I love, but he's, like, the performance he gives as Otis is amazing, like top level acting, if you ask me. Oh yeah, he you completely buy he's completely like deranged. Like at yeah. one minute, like him and his grandpa are laughing about the monsters, and at the next minute he's like sleeping like in a bed full of dead cheerleaders. Exactly. Well, who you got for your number seven? Alright, number seven, I got Christopher Lee. Good pick. Because I love those Hammer horror movies so much, um, with, with like Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, just like switching like good guy versus bad guy roles all the time. One movie, P- Christopher Lee's the bad guy. The next one, he's the good guy. You know, and yeah. he does each role very well. And to think about like taking on a role like Dracula when he did in the fifties, which is only twenty couple years uh, removed from the original Dracula. That is like, you know, so iconic. And that's who you think about for him to step into that role and make it his own. And then and even show up on like quite a number of people's lists as their favorite Dracula. Oh, yeah. Let's not skip over 
just how cool the dude Christopher Lee was. Like, yeah. that guy's life should be a series. I can't even say a movie because you couldn't fit it in. Like, the, he just led the most wild life and always seemed he was a knight. He was the only member of Lord of the Rings who actually met Tolkien. He was Count Dooku in Star Wars, all this horror stuff. He was a heavy metal, like, musician. It, it's just insane the life he led. Yeah, he's in his like eighty. Well, he was like in his eighties or nineties or something, and put out a metal record. Yeah, and it's not terrible. Like if you're into like that style, like symphonic sounding metal, it's pretty good. But yeah, I gotta go. Like I'm a sucker for the classics, and Christopher Lee, he is for me like the bridge between like the really beginnings of horror and like bringing it into like the sixties and seventies to where like in the fifties Hammer horror movies, it's a lot more subdued. And then you get to, like, um, Dracula AD 1972, and it's all this Technicolor blood, and there's, like, 70s boobs everywhere, and it's, like, Christopher Lee's still there as Dracula fighting, you know. Yeah. Now, Christopher Lee, like, what a dude. Yeah, good pick. Thank you. <laughs> My number six, which I was surprised is our first repeat of the episode. Okay. So, my number six goes to Boris Karloff for oh, all the reasons you said. Very nice. Um, I was mainly considering Bride of Frankenstein when I picked it. And I was so glad you brought that up in your little recap of him. Because that's the one that really put him onto the list and into the spot where he is. Uh, no, nothing against the mummy or the other stuff like that. But him in there is just incredible and I love it. Oh, yeah. I enjoy Karloff as like the mummy. But the mummy series, I was never that big into Egypt. So it yeah. never, like, caught my fascination like, you know, Frankenstein or Dracula did, you know? Yeah. But even to bring up him, like, okay, so he goes from, he's mute in Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein, he gets a lot more to do. And then Son of Frankenstein, he goes back to being mute. But he also, but it still builds on the character and adds to him even more and more. Yeah, and I love those other ones, but Bride of Frankenstein was definitely the one that got him onto this list, for sure, for me. Oh, yeah, that is him. That's the, I would say, probably the best representation of Frankenstein in any of the movies. Yeah. Who you got for number six? Uh, number six, I have Jeffrey Combs. Who's Jeffrey Combs? From Reanimator and Bride of Reanimator uh, oh, and Reanimator okay. Beyond. I never knew the actor's name, but yes. Yeah, uh, Herbert West. And anytime I, like, I love those Reanimator movies so much, and a lot of it has to do with Jeffrey Combs as Herb Dr. Herbert West trying to reanimate the dead, and he's going after his professor, and he ends up killing the professor, but the professor, like, is now just a headless body that carries the head, and it's so batshit crazy, but the performances are so great in Reanimator and Bride of Reanimator, and I think I uh, a lot of that has to do with most movies they go in there's a little bit of rehearsal but not a whole ton especially like low budget horror movies like this what yeah. they did with reanimator is they basically treated it as a play and rehearsed for two weeks straight the entire movie so that's why it has a great flow to it and everything feels like very natural it also kind of feels like a play and not an insulting way too now that you say that i never knew that about it yeah, and I, once I learned that, because there's a couple other movies that I absolutely love the acting in, and they did the exact same thing, where they actually rehearsed for like two weeks to a month before they even started filming. Oh, cool. But yeah, Jeffrey Combs just, he chews the scenery in the best way. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I think he's very... It's not so weird, because what he's doing is so ridiculous. But he plays it in a way that you're like, oh, yeah, this could happen. Oh, yeah, and I love how, like, nonchalant he is about it. Like, like I keep talking about Reanimator, even though Bride is also good. Beyond Reanimator isn't very good at all. But it's still good because it's uh, Jeffrey Combs as Herbert West, and it's still Herbert West. He's still doing great with it. Yeah. The great line in Reanimator when they find the dead cat in his refrigerator. And he's like, what did you want me to do? Leave a note, uh, cat dead, details later? <laughs> like, all the just little snappy lines and shit that he does. It's I love him. I think he's, like, unfazed by everything. Like, nothing's a big deal, I guess, is a way to put it for him. He's above everybody. He's like, you're lower than me. He's like, everyone's like Igor to him. Yeah. Now, where are we at now? Number five. So, top five for me. Here we go. Yeah, top five. And when we first talked about doing this, I was like, oh, you want to do a top five list? And luckily, you said, let's do a top ten. Because I wouldn't have been able to talk about any of those amazing people if we just did a top five. So, thank you, Greg, for convincing me to do that. (laughs) Oh, no problem. That was my thing, too. I'm like... It's going to be too hard for me to narrow it down to five. Not like it'd be too hard for me to pick my top five, because if I can do ten, I can do five. But I wouldn't be able to bring myself to leave some of those that made the bottom five for me off that list. So, like, right. I'm like I need to do that. And I feel like our top five had the possibility of being too similar. Yeah, I, well, I, we'll see here. I don't know if it will, but I was worried about that being a possibility. So, yeah. Like, well, ten gives us more variety. Well, my number five is one I'm pretty sure you won't have, so that's good. I'm going Linnea Quigley. Oh, okay. Um, Trash? Yeah, Trash from Return of the Living Dead. And she's in Night of the Demons, let's not forget. She's in Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. And she's made an entire career of B-horror movies. Yeah, well, even there's the Linnea Quigley horror workout VHS tape that I really want to get at some point. <laughs> I won't lie. I, I was thinking about that when I was making this list. I'm like, I wonder if we could like do an episode on that somehow. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think you could do. You, We could probably get at least half an hour out of that. Yeah, no one would listen to that episode, but I really want to do it someday. Oh, no, that's why I like love about like doing these episodes. It's like we do niche stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, but Linnea Quigley, anytime she shows up in a movie, I'm just like, okay, here we go. And jokes aside, not just because she's naked and all of Return of the Living Dead, but she's just one of my favorite horror actresses, and there's no way she wasn't making my top ten. Oh, yeah, and well, her performance in Return of the Living Dead is also just so great. It's like you said, it's not just because she's hot and naked, and she's a redhead in that movie. Yes. No, it's because it's like, I love how she's like sitting there beside, um, I forget what the actor's name is, but it's the uh, enchilada guy from Friday the 13th Part 5. Suicide? No, not suicide, the, um other guy the you know from friday 13th part five those damn enchiladas oh he's spider in return of the living dead yeah, yeah i know who you mean yeah and she's like do you know what i think would be the worst way to die just a bunch of dirty old men just tearing at my clothes and tearing my body apart and then it I happens it. her literal worst death happens to her <laughs> Well, she says, do you ever fantasize about the ways you'll die? So I don't know if it's a bad thing. Who knows? But yeah, Linnea Quigley for the win, 100%. Oh, yeah. She's another one where you see her pop up. You're like, oh, I love her. Yeah. Who you got? Who who made your top five? Uh, Well, number five, I have Jamie Lee Curtis. Excellent pick. Of course, Halloween is just so amazing. 
I love that she came back later in the series when at first she didn't want anything to do with Halloween all through the 80s. She's like, I'm done with horror. She turned her back on it. Then H2O comes around. She comes back, lays down an amazing performance versus Michael Myers. And it's the very, like, alpha, like, Laurie Strode, where she's, like, fucking going after Michael, not just, like, trying to, like, block his shit, you know? It leads very much into, like, the 2018 and, like, the new uh, Laurie Strode we have, like, now. Yeah, as a precursor to what we have currently. And I don't want to talk about Resurrection, because that sucks so bad and I hate it. (laughs) And she almost gets him, but then she, like, then she dies, but then she kisses him. And I'm like, eh, like, I get, like, once again, she was like, I kill off my character, I want to be done. But then she comes back for 2018, and holy shit, she blows it out of the park again, like, an amazing performance. And to go, like, even further away from uh, just the Halloween series, she does, she's great in Prom Night. Um, she's in Terror Train that I just saw for the first time uh, when Joe Bob showed it for his Halloween thing. That's good. Virus. Never saw that. That's not bad. It's not great either, but uh, just another one. I'm, I know there's a couple others I'm probably missing, but yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, all around great actress, always a great performance, and most of the time, other than Resurrection, and that's not her fault. But even her um, non-horror roles, I kind of enjoy. Oh, I do too, but I couldn't count any of those in this, but yes, I did too. No, but she can also just be funny, you know, and whatnot, so yeah, number five, Jamie Lee Curtis. All right, my number four, one, two, he's coming for you, Robert England. Okay, Dude, yeah. the, the dedication to the role of Freddy Krueger from him is something to be commended. I know you're not a big Freddy fan at all, but there's no one, I think, who really, in the slasher movies, who came back time and time again like he did. Almost every other major slasher was multiple people playing them, at least for some of it and everything like that. I mean, Doug Bradley would be the only other one I could put up against him, really. Yeah. And so that alone, I think, earns him the spot as number four. And plus, I just love his, well, I love some of his Freddies. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Some of his Freddies are amazing. And then you get to, like, Freddy's dead, and you're like, what the fuck? This looks like an SNL skit. Yeah. But I still can't wait to do that movie. <laughs> but yeah, Robert England, there's no way he wasn't coming on. I almost feel bad not saying much, but come on, you guys knew. Yeah, he owns the role of Freddy so much that even when they tried to remake uh, Nightmare with a different guy playing Freddy, and everyone immediately like just hated it. They're like, "It's not Robert. Go fuck yourself." And the thing is, people do that for everything when they recast. But that one, one hundred percent, is like, "Well, that this isn't Freddy. The problem is Freddy's not just a dude in a mask. It's Robert England. Like, you can't separate the two almost. So yeah, it didn't work." Yeah, it's, a, it's going from Boris Karloff as Frankenstein to Bella Lugosi as Frankenstein. That's a, that's a good example, yes. All right, who you got for your number four? Uh, number four, and it's I, this one, the top four, I had such a fucking hard time. Like, I was really solid with, I was like, Jamie Lee Curtis, number five, I feel really solid about that. These top four, I'm just like, I love all four of them so much. But right now, I'm doing, number four is Lon Chaney Jr. Okay. Um, we have brought him up recently. Actually, not recently. That episode hasn't come out yet. But yeah. Yeah, we talked about him, like, yeah, on that episode for a little bit. But I like I kind of said on that episode as well, fucking just knocks it out of the park with, like, every one of his things that I've seen him in. 
like uh son of dracula you think it's gonna be like this weird weird schlocky thing it's like okay this is universal now in the 40s they're not doing as great as they were in the 30s but even him as playing count alucard was just great and his wolfman i feel so bad for that character every movie i see him in because he just wants to die so he stops hurting people and in certain movies, he just wanders around asking people to kill him. Like, please kill me. Let me die. Doesn't he call it a curse? Like, that he says he's cursed? Like, that he lives with this and everything? Yeah. Yeah, like, it, it's sad. You don't like it. He played almost every universal monster. Oh, no shit, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah he played the mummy, he played Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Wolfman. He didn't play the creature. No. But um, yeah, he played. I'm pretty sure he. Uh, those are the four that he ended up doing. But oh, that's cool. Anytime I see him pop up, I'm always just like, oh, this. I'm in for a treat. Yeah. Even uh, just real quick, even to look at like I forget which one it is. I always get these two mixed up. The House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein. Pretty terrible movies. But in that one, he's trying to get cured of being a werewolf, like again. And but he still does it an amazing job and he's the best part of that movie it makes it watchable i never saw it and it's it's good for him oh good all right so finally the top three time my number three again someone we mentioned already jamie lee curtis nice i mean everything you said and the biggest thing that we didn't say already that i want to say is i don't think we can say she was the first because she wasn't but the first final girl as we have come to know final girls. Yeah, the modern, the first, like, modern day final girl. Of course, like you said, there were ones before her. But Halloween was so huge, and it really shaped how horror movies were made from, like, then on, for the most part. Oh, 100%. And what she did, she literally created a, whether you want to call it character or trope or whatever you want, but that is still followed today in a lot of movies. Like... It's all traces back to Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and it's... And even, like, I didn't even mention this a whole lot, I don't think. Like, I did a little bit with mine, but going from, like, her in the first one, she's, like, just so scared, and she's, like, keeps dropping the knife and just running away, and then now she's just fucking badass, you know? Yeah, now she's the hunter. Yeah. Who you got for your number three, since we already talked about Jamie Lee a lot? Give me some sugar, baby. Okay, hell yeah. Of course, Bruce Campbell um, is my number three. It, this is, once again, like I said, for the top four, I was like, what the fuck do I do with this? But because immediately I wanted to say Bruce Campbell number one. But I was like, I have to think about this. This is very important. This is for throbbing. So I put him at number three. I love his acting. He's, uh, I would almost say he dropped down a little bit for me because a lot of times it is very goofy and it's the slapstick stuff, which... I love, 100%, love the Three Stooges, love Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi and all of them. But he plays it as more of a comedic role, which it needs to be for, like, the later movies and whatnot. Yeah, I would say that's kind of why I would put him at number three. He always great gives an amazing performance. He did all those seasons of Ash vs. Evil Dead, knocked it out of the park every episode. And yeah. even, like, his other stuff, like the My Name is Bruce, where he's playing a parody of himself, you know? Yeah, like Bubba Hotep, Maniac Cop. Oh yeah, the fact that he goes from, like, he has the range of, like, in Maniac Cop, he's playing it 100% serious, and you can see how great of an actor he is. And then oh, we yeah. go to, like, 
Bubba Hotep, and he's playing a elderly Elvis that's fighting a mummy that sucks souls out of buttholes. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And his African-American friend who thinks he is JFK. <laughs> that movie's so good. But yeah, Bruce Campbell, number three. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about Bruce. All right, here we go. My number two. I struggled with where I put him on the list, and you knew where he was going. I mean, you knew he was going on here. Kane Hodder, look, there's been many Jason Voorheeses. I'm not trying to kid anybody, but there have only been one Jason Voorhees who is also Victor Crowley, and that gets Kane Hodder to the number two spot. Look, there's there's been a ton of them, but he's the one who brought all the character traits that I love to my favorite slasher that turn into mainframe camera and then breathe with your shoulders and like just kind of menacing and like oh when you see that it's not like him just walking through you see that it's like oh fuck jason has entered the building here we go yeah the fact that i think i've even like uh heard interviews with him where he's like i there's you can't do anything with the face because i'm wearing a mask and i wanted to add more to the character so what can i do and just those little like subtle things like that that he adds just adds tremendously to the character yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the butt of C.J. Graham, so he's not going to pull that off, like that classic shot that everyone talks about. So he's oh, got to yeah. do something else. Yeah, the, uh, Jason's got a dump truck in part six. <laughs> What's that great C.J. Graham marine ass? All that marching. <laughs> Who's your number two? Uh, number two, I have Anthony Perkins. Okay, that's not bad. Um, from Sy- the Psycho series. Um, I know he did other stuff as well, but I'm not really familiar with it i just love him in the psycho series and the fact that he stayed on like the original psycho what can you say about it it's fucking basically perfect you know it's classic as fuck it said like we were talking about how halloween set up tropes for like the horror future psycho did that you know before halloween did and that psycho yeah. is very much uh led to Halloween with like Jamie Lee Curtis getting cast as, you know, the main final girl because she was uh fuck, what is her name? Um uh, Marion Crane from Psycho, the the main lady. Janet Lee. That is that's it. Okay. Yep, I, I, I had a brain fart for a second, but yeah, Janet Lee. Like, she's amazing in this, uh, and I love how, like, later in the Halloween series, Janet Lee would, like, pop up here and there, like, in H2O, where she has, like, her psycho car, and it plays the theme under it, and I was like, oh, that's a nice little thing. But Anthony, the entire, like, first of half of Psycho, you're following her, and then she stops at this little motel alongside the road. And then we meet Norman Bates, and he just seems like a very just like, oh, it's a normal kind of guy, a little shy. And then we focus on him now, and it's like, oh, what's he up to? And there's just so much shit that goes through, like, in that movie. His performances are great. Mother, mother, the blood, you know, like, and then to, after all those years, come back for Psycho 2 and be like, yes, I'll do it again. And then to go from then in number three, he actually directed that one as well, which is why it's like really insane. This is what I wanted to talk about with him when you brought him up, because Psycho, the original Alfred Hitchcock's is what today. And I hate this term. I'm using it just as an example, but I fucking hate this term. 
what people call elevated horror today. And that fucks me off because it's not elevated horror. It's horror. You don't just want to admit that you like a horror movie. So they threw this dumb title on it. Like where they talk about Get Out and Hereditary. And those are great movies, but I hate that term people use. But Psycho would also fit into that. But what I love about him and his willingness to like go along with this is Psycho 2 and 3 are most certainly not. And the fact that he's both in both of those types, I love. The fact that he does the schlocky and like the artsy. That's that's a perfect blend. Oh yeah, and then even going into Psycho 4 where he goes into the 90s playing this character and he's basically talking to like a Howard Stern knockoff, like how like all every 90s movie had a Howard Stern knockoff DJ in their movie for some reason. Yeah. Like Halloween 6 had that dude and whatnot and He's, like, talking to this radio DJ, and you know how we always talk about, like, oh, movies go from the first one, and then they cut out all the middle movies, and the newest movie just is completely connected to the first one. Yeah, it's the thing now. Psycho 4 did that. Oh, no shit, I didn't know that. I never saw Psycho 4. It's interesting. It's, like, how Norman, it's almost like Bates Motel, that show. But just a movie version where Norman's kind of telling about his childhood and is, like, kind of fucked up relationship with his mother and that kind of stuff it's really interesting it's worth checking out i think it was a straight to tv movie oh okay but still really good i might check that out sometime soon we're at number one now right greg we are but we're not at our number ones yet oh no we're not yet those who listen you'll know we've had some people on the show before brandon p razor rob we got all of them to send in their top horror actor so Without further ado, here's them. P forgot to introduce themselves, so P will be going first, and then I don't know the order. My favorite horror actor, and probably who I think most amplifies the genre, has to be Christopher Lee. Not only was he one of the first and most iconic Dracula, but he also has been acting in horror films pretty much throughout his entire career. While he's also known for other roles, I will always think of him strictly as a horror guy. And he has always been one of my favorite in the business. Hey, it's Brandon. Gonna have to go with Tobin Bell as my all-time favorite horror actor. His dedication to the role of Jigsaw long after the series got super schlocky uh, is super commendable to me, and I respect it. And he brings so much to that character that just makes him feel so evil without being totally evil and having ways for his his methods. And he's such a good not-killer. What's up, guys? It's Razor Rob. Just coming in real quick to tell you that um, my favorite horror actor of all time is Robert Anglin, uh, who plays Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare series. Um, Nightmare series had a big impact on my, uh, my childhood. I wasn't uh, horribly afraid to stay in hospitals overnight. Due to the scene in New Nightmare where uh, he drags girl up the wall and slashes her open on top of the ceiling and her guts fall out. Uh, he was also featured in uh, Call of the Dead, which is a black ops zombie map uh, with George Romero and a couple other uh, high-profile horror movie characters like Michael Rooker, Robert Trejo, and Sarah Michelle Gellar. He's also featured in uh, one of my favorite non-slasher horror movies, 2001 Maniacs. Just always loved his work. Um... He, was all, he also voiced uh, Scarecrow in Justice 2, and he was the first slasher to be introduced in Mortal Kombat. So yeah, guys, that's why Razor Rob likes uh, Robert England. 
Um, I also think that Freddy beat Jason and Freddy versus Jason and Brett. Uh, you can go to hell. Bye bye now. All right. So you ready to get into our number one? Should we recap the list first? Yeah, let's go ahead. You go first. All right. So at number 10, I had Corey Feldman, nine, Samara Weaving, eight, Tobin Bell, seven, Bill Mosley, six, Boris Karloff, five, Linnea Quigley, four, Robert England, three, Jamie Lee Curtis, two, Kane Hodder, and number one, hail to the king, baby, Bruce Campbell. (laughs) Everything you said except for the bad things. Yeah, and even the bad things I said weren't even bad, I don't think. No, I know. I just <laughs> could throw that. No, I love Bruce Campbell. If I had to pick like only one like known horror actor to see their future movies or what, maybe that might not be a good choice because I think he's done. But yeah, it'd be Bruce Campbell. Um, I can't say anything bad about him. Well, remember standing in the um line at uh the con, the like kind of horror con we went to um a couple months yeah. ago and Robert England was there and his line is ginormous. It wraps around the building and me yes. and you were sitting there being like, what actor would you wait in that line for? And I think you said Mark Hamill. And I was like, yeah, I could kind of see that. And then you also said Bruce Campbell and that one I went, Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. Those would be my two pretty much anyone else. No, but yeah, 100. I would definitely see Bruce Campbell and wait in that stupid line. I would wait, yeah, in the six to seven hour line to get my 30 seconds with the man himself. Yes. All right. You want to recap yours and give me your number one? Yeah. Um, number 10, I had Boris Karloff. Number nine, I had Angus Scrim. Number eight, I had Michael Moriarty. Number seven, Christopher Lee. Number six, Jeffrey Combs. Number five, Jamie Lee Curtis. Number four, Lon Chaney Jr. Number three, Bruce Groovy Campbell. Number two, Anthony Perkins, and my number one favorite horror actor or actress is the late, great Bella Lugosi. I was so confused whether you were going to go Bella or Kane. I like, it's going to be one of those two. And when you said late, I'm like, well, Kane's not dead. Okay, it's Bella Lugosi. Okay. Yeah, Bella Lugosi. I just, if anyone follows me on social media, you just see me constantly posting pictures of Bella Lugosi. Anytime I see a picture of him on Twitter, you have to retweet Bella Lugosi. Um, he's amazing in everything I've seen him in, even the movies that are terrible. Like White Zombie is such a boring movie that like hardly anything happens. But his performance is just like it's a, it's still even today scary and mesmerizing. Yeah. And like to go even from like okay, I've talked about Dracula a shit ton on this episode, but. That's one of my all-time favorite horror movies, and I will watch it over and over again because of Bela Lugosi. And then you go all the way to the end of his career, and you have Plan 9 from Outer Space that he's barely in. He's There's some footage of the, some of his last footage used, and he doesn't do a whole lot other than, like, he's in his cape in a field for no reason. But he's having the time of his life in that like, cape in the field. You can t- He's not even acting well in it because he's so happy to be in the cape. Oh, because Bella loved the role of Dracula so much. And I could just, I would love to be like an observer that was just like standing across the street when it's Ed Wood and Bella Lugosi running around this field with a camera and a cape, just having the time of their life. Yeah. Like I picture them like holding hands and skipping through the field, you know, like... <laughs> I want to see that so bad. <laughs> Even going into like 
anytime I like will see a movie with his name on it, I'm like, holy shit, I need to see this. The Raven, where it's him and Boris Karloff, fucking great. Where he's like remaking all these like torture devices that like Poe, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, like described and whatnot. It's the pit and the pendulum and shit. Yeah. And classic, classic, classically trained actor. Like he started out in plays. And the reason that he kind of became a movie star is like he was the role of Dracula in all the plays. And at this point, they were going from the silent movies to the talkies, the talking yeah. movies. And the silent movie actors, I guess, did not know how to talk and actually uh, act in that way. So they brought a lot of like play people up to be in these movies. And Bella was one of those people. And he also con uh, continued playing Dracula on the road for like decades. That's awesome. I didn't know that. And he was buried in his cape. Yes, I did know that. But and it, the, you want to talk about like a grave I would love to visit. It would be Bella's. But he's in California. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a long road trip just for that. We'd have to do some other stops, too. Yeah, we were there. It's a bonus episode, and it's like we're gonna go see Bella Lugosi's grave. We just go straight there and straight back. Nothing, <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> Don't even talk on the way. There's nothing else. No, just we listened to um, was it Ballhost? Uh, Bella Lugosi's dead on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I got on this. This was fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this list, and it really made me sit down and think. Like, okay, honestly, what are my top ten? Because you do a top five list in your head real quick. Top ten makes you think a little bit more. Yeah, that was, that was a good time. Uh, thanks to everyone who sent in those, by the way. P, Brandon, Rob, appreciate it. Yes, thank you guys. And as you guys know, we're in October, so we have tons of content coming out. Please check out the stuff we have coming out, or maybe some stuff you didn't get to yet. There's a ton of it right now, and... We're still here. We're chugging along. The best is yet to come, if you ask me. At least something I'm most excited to talk about. But oh, we'll yes. see. Yes, I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, there's, if that's all you got, Greg. Yeah, that's all I got. All right, yeah, make sure to follow us on all the socials. Just search Throbbing with Horror. You'll see the picture come up and just follow us. And um, we hope that this top ten list has left your brain throbbing with horror.